Hey there, and thanks for listening to our podcast. Our mission at Hope is to invite everyone to find Jesus and help them move toward the center of God's purpose for their life. Here's this weekend's message. Well, good morning. Welcome all of our campuses, all of you watching online, and uh, man, the Super Bowl is today. Uh, how many How many think the Chiefs are your team, at least for right now? How many think the Eagles have it? Ushers? It'd be a cold day in hell before I ever root for the Philadelphia Eagles. That is for sure. Oh, man. I'm just being serious. So... Um, Couple things, couple things. Men's conference, hey, how about this? You sign up between uh, now and Monday night, or if you've already signed up, between now and tomorrow night, midnight. So then Tuesday, we are going to randomly choose three people of all the people who signed up from the beginning of signs up to, to, to Monday night, and, and we're gonna choose three people to get it free. So you can get reimbursed, or you can use it to pay for somebody else or whatever you wanna do. Here's the QR code. You can just sign up. It's gonna be a great time together, man. It's... it's uh, Coming up quick, so I encourage you, encourage you to sign up, guys, and uh, let's have a good time together. Now, uh, before I get into the, the message, one more thing. Every month, we're going to pray for our country. Uh, I'm going to send this in an e-news. We pray for four to five states every month, and we're going to pray for the leaders of those states. And then we're going to pray for revival for uh, believers, all of us. So, so we're asking God to do it in our hearts. Um, we started that series in January called Revival, but we're going to pray for this all year round, that, that God would do in, in me, draw that circle, and that God would do in us, and then that God would do it in all believers, and that, that um, his love and his grace would permeate this country. And so politically speaking, I think this is a good way for us to be involved um, so let me list, uh, we're going to pray for President Joe Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris. We're going to pray for the Congress and, and again, revival for believers. Now, the states this month, and again, I'll send this in an e-news, California, Colorado, Connecticut, and Delaware. We're going to pray for all their governors and, and just their states. And, and, and whatever you may know that's going on, I encourage you during your own time of prayer to dig down a little bit and say, how can you pray for California? How can you pray for Colorado, and, and what, are, what are some of the specifics for, for all the states that we're praying for? So would you just join me, and under your breath, just don't listen to me, but under your breath, pray for our president, pray for our, our leaders in our nation, and then pray for our states. Would you join me in prayer? Lord, we just pause for a second, and uh, you said, if my people, and I know this is speaking of a uh, an Old Testament story and, and cir- circumstance in the context, but... The principle is true that if your people would humble themselves and pray, seek your face, turn from our wicked ways, and then uh, you'll hear from heaven, and you'll forgive our sins, and you'll heal, heal our land. God, I pray. I pray for our president. I pray for our vice president. I pray for our Congress. I pray for believers all over the United States that we would draw that circle and, and that we would ask you to renew us, to refresh us, to revive us, to to do what only you can do in our hearts, and then collectively, if we all do that together at the same time, something really, really significant happens in our world as a result of that. And so, Lord, we pray for that. And we pray for the states as well that we're praying for this month and their leaders. We pray that you would surround them with people who love you 
and can share your love and grace. If those leaders don't know you, I pray that they would come to know you, that they would come to seek your face, give them wisdom, and we trust you with all that's going on. And uh, we ask that your kingdom would come, and that your will would be done in our country, in our states, in our hearts, in our lives, our church, as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thank you. Thank you. And I, I encourage you this week as I send that out, if I haven't already, I can't remember if I put that in there or not, but um, this, this, uh, the states and all that will be in there. So I encourage you to pray each month. Uh, for our nation and our, and our, our states. Okay, uh, John, a cast of characters. If you're just now joining us, we're in part two, so, so glad you're here. If you're a guest at Hope Fellowship any, at any of our campuses, or maybe you just tuned in online for the first time, so glad that you, you came. Um, listen, in this series, we're looking at characters instead of verse by verse, instead of chapter by chapter. We're looking at different encounters that Jesus had with different people. How did he respond to them, and what can we learn from that? That's kind of the, the gist of the series. We'll be in this until Easter. So last week, here's what we talked about in this um, John, a cast of characters. We talked about the deity and the humanity of Jesus and the importance of understanding both of those for the gospel. Under, true under Truly understanding the gospel understands Christ's deity and his humanity. Today, I want to talk about the disciples um, there, there's much to say, and there's so many scriptures that I could read, but, but what I'd like to do is just read one passage out of John, and we're going to be in chapter 1 still, and this is where Jesus calls some of the disciples, and then we're going to talk about what does a disciple really mean in the first century. Let's pick it up in John chapter 1, verse 35. The following day, John was again standing with two of his disciples. As Jesus walked by, John looked at him and declared, look, there is the Lamb of God. When, Jesus two, when, Jesus, when John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. Jesus looked around and saw them following, what do you want? He asked them. They replied, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come and see, he said. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon when they went with him to the place where he was staying, and they remained with him the rest of the day. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of these men who heard what John said and then followed Jesus. Andrew went to find his brother Simon, who was Peter, and told him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. Looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, Your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas, which means Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, Come follow me. Philip was, was from Bethsaida, Andrew and Peter's hometown. Philip went to look for Nathanael and, and told him, We have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nazareth, exclaimed Nathanael. Can anything good come from Nazareth? Come and see for yourself, Philip replied. And as they approached, Jesus said, Now here is a genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity. How do you know that about me, Nathanael asked. Jesus replied, I could see you under the fig tree before Philip found you. Then Nathanael exclaimed, Rabbi, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. Jesus asked him, do you believe this just because I told you I had seen you under the fig tree? 
you will see greater things than this. And they all did. Now, we have the privilege of looking back uh, on the Gospels and the disciples, and we understand, you know, kind of what happened. Jesus came across these guys and, and called them, but I think it might be important to understand kind of the context of first century and what a rabbi really was and, and how this all worked. A rabbi was a teacher of the Mosaic law. So he would give his flavor, much like we have today when Hope Fellowship, we have our flavor of, of how we present or teach the gospel and maybe other churches have other flavors and styles and so forth. Well, rabbis were just, they were teachers of the law who had different takes on how we were to live the law out. Now, the way in which they got followers were the Jewish boys who were going to school until about 15 or 16 years old, they would go to Jewish school and they would memorize all kinds of passages in the Old Testament, the Torah and crazy things. It was really a, a significant um, teaching and, and, and learning. They would go to these schools the, when they were almost finished and they would watch some of the best and the brightest. And they would ask questions of these students, the rabbis would. And after they were finished, a rabbi would say to some of the best and some of the brightest, he would say, come follow me. Come follow me. And what would happen is that little boy, I say little boy, but that young man would then leave his family. He would leave his hometown. He would leave the family business, whether that was fishermen or construction or whatever it was. And he, he would follow the rabbi. And he would become as much like the rabbi as he possibly could. He would, in, in Jesus, when he says, take my yoke upon you, that was what it was called, the yoke of a rabbi. And, and what that means is you would take upon yourself that flavor of teaching. And when the student would leave the school, those behind would say, may you be covered with the dust of your rabbi. Meaning that, I hope that you follow as close behind the rabbi in, in, the, in the days in which there were no pavement, there were dusty roads, sandals, and the dust would fly up. May you be covered. May you be that close to your rabbi. May you be covered with the dust of your rabbi. Now, those who were left behind, who were at the age of finishing their schooling, if they were not chosen they would go back to their home, back to the family business, or learn a trade, and they would continue their life. Now, when we pick up this story in John 1 and, and, a, and, a, and a, a series of, of people that Jesus was saying, come follow me, John the, some of John the Baptist's disciples, Simon Peter, Andrew, Nathaniel, and they're all kind of, hey, come and see this. Hey, we found the Messiah. Now, the interesting thing about this is Jesus did not go to the finishing school of the young men who were about to graduate from their learning. He went to guys that were already established in their family business. All the disciples that Jesus chose missed the original cut. They didn't get chosen from one of the rabbis who came to their school, who came to see 
who the best and the brightest. And so they would go to, as we know, Peter, James, John, and many of them were fishermen. Even Matthew, a tax collector. So none of these made the original cut. In fact, some of them were very spiritually challenged. But yet those, who, those are who Jesus would call to follow him. You ever felt like, you ever felt like that? You ever felt like you, you missed the cut? You ever felt like no matter, you know, maybe it was sports and you were early on in sports and it just felt like, man, I, I never get chosen. You're just in peewee league or, or maybe P.E., you know, when they were, okay, everybody stand there and we got two captains and we're going to choose, right? How many hated being last? Man, I wanted to be first. I would be like, hey, hey, yeah, we, we know what it's like to not get chosen first. That's who the disciples were. That's who Jesus chose. So if you ever felt like you weren't worthy, if you ever felt like, man, if John asked me to find the book of Ezekiel, I would die. <laughs> Put a gun to my head because I would never find that thing. Or the book of Hezekiah. There is no book of Hezekiah. So none of you would pass. Um, you ever felt like you missed the cut? Let me just tell you, you're in good company. Jesus was never about the best and the brightest. He was never about the rock star religious people. In fact, we know that. He hung around with tax collectors and sinners and prostitutes and notorious sinners, in fact. And, and we know that's how Jesus operated. So, so when we think of the disciples and all the crazy great things they did in starting the church, these guys turned the world upside down. They were just like you and me. So, so don't get the idea that, you know, following Jesus is for the elite. Following Jesus is for those who were raised in church. Following Jesus were those who graduated from CCD or graduated from, you know, confirmation class or, or became, uh, you know, pretty significant in the kingdom or in the church and became leaders. No, no, no. When you follow Jesus, you don't have to be special. You just have to be willing. You just have to be willing to say, okay. I'll leave my business, I'll leave whatever it is, and I'll come follow you. Okay, so having that, that foundation of understanding the, the, the way in which discipleship worked or the way in which disciples were chosen, here's what I want to do. I want us to pretend like the book of John is on a huge piece of paper, you know, a huge, like the sides of this room, we got the book of John written from, from side to side, top to bottom, and we're going to zoom out of the whole book. And we're going to discuss every encounter, well, let me say this, every major encounter or specific encounter that Jesus had with the disciples from chapter 1 to chapter 21, okay? We're going to go through the whole book of John, zoom out, how or what kind of encounter did Jesus have with his disciples? What was he trying to say and what does it mean for us? What kind of encounter did he have? What was he trying to say? How does that apply to us? Okay, so we're going to zoom out just a bit. Instead of reading, I'm going to, I'm going to ask that you would trust me, that I'm not going to make up stories here, that all of these are in the scripture 
There's too many scriptures to read, and it takes too long, but, but I want to tell you the story of all those encounters, and we're going to start with the, the feeding of the 5,000, and that's found in John 6, 5 through 13. I encourage you to go back and, and read some of these, but let me just talk to you about this. The feeding of the 5,000 is Jesus had been teaching um, quite a bit that day, and they were getting close to closing time, and... Jesus asked Philip, hey, where can we buy some food? And Philip was like, well, first of all, we'd have to work months to pay for this because the total number of people were 5,000 men and then the women and children, whoever was, were there. So let's just say there was at least two for each family, so that's 10,000 people. Picture FC Dallas Stadium right there in downtown Frisco where they play soccer. Or, and other things. Let's just figure that. Let's just, that, that was totally filled. And Hope Fellowship had invited the city, and about 12, 15,000 people came. And I said, hey, we're going we're gonna to have some songs, and I'm going to teach an incredible message. And then, that was a given, right? That was a given. And then, and then we're going to feed you. But there is no food. And, and the story is, you know, Philip was like, man, we couldn't afford this even if we tried. And then somebody said, well, there's a little boy with uh, five loaves of bread and two fish. Maybe, maybe we can make something out of that, but there's no, there's no way. There's no way. And then Jesus multiplies the bread. He multiplies the fish and feeds the 5,000. Bullet points. Big problem. You ever, you ever encountered that? Right? You ever encountered that in your life? There's just a big problem. We're going to supposed to, we're supposed to, wait, wait, you never plan, you type A's right now would go nuts with Jesus. No plan, right, right, Angel? I mean, no plan? What, what, what you didn't tell us in the, why don't you tell us this morning? We could at least got, gotten donations, you know, from the vendors or, you know, whatever, right? There's a big problem here, and there is no answer. I mean, there's nothing they can do. It's, it's, it's almost dark crazy that Jesus would ask this, but then there's a miracle. First encounter. Keep that in the back of your mind. Right after this, here's what Jesus does. Jesus goes across the sea, and um, the disciples are in the boat in the Sea of Galilee. And this is not a huge sea. I've been there. Sea of Galilee is not huge, um, but pretty significant. So they're in the boat. Now, most of these guys are fishermen. Most of these guys are pretty aware of, you know, storms and so forth, but a, a mighty storm. So let me just give you the, what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about, this is the next encounter, walking on water. This is John 6, 16 through 20. They get in the boat, furious storm comes, and they are freaking out. They are terrified. And in the midst of the storm, they see Jesus walking on the water. Now, I wonder what Jesus was thinking. He's on the other side of the, the sea, and, and he's thinking, hey, Father, watch this. I'm going to freak them out. And this is literally what, what happens. And then he shows up, and they're terrified, and he says, don't be afraid. 
I'm with you. Bullet points. Terrifying situation. You ever been in a terrifying situation? Received news that you didn't want or didn't expect? Um, the church has asked you to lead something. John's come up and said, hey, would you close us in prayer? Come up to the stage. How many would die, you know, with that? Yeah. Terrifying situation. And then Jesus suddenly appears out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. And then he says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Keep that in the back of your mind. Next encounter. So most of these encounters are just with the disciples. Okay? There's a, maybe a few other people that are around in, in some of these, but most of these, that's why I've chosen these, zooming out, most of these are encounters just with his disciples. There's the bread of life discussion. Now, there, this one, there's a, a few others that are around Jesus' followers, and this is found in John 6, 53 through 58. Now, this is a chapter that never ends. So if you, you're, you're in chapter 6 and you're, you're in your Bible reading plan, you're thinking, okay, I got 15 minutes, and you're like, oh, my goodness. There's 75 verses or whatever. All right, so we're still in John. We're still in John, bread of life discussion. And in this discussion, Jesus says literally some crazy, crazy things. I mean, the abnormal way of talking. You remember in the, in the, uh, in the, or in the Sermon on the Mount when Jesus said, if, you're, if your hand offends you, right hand offends you, cut it off. Remember that? And if your eye offends you, pluck it out. How many think, okay, that's a weird statement. Now we look back on it, we're used to that. We know Jesus and we know what he meant. Let me just give you some of the bullet points of the bread of life discussion. Here's what Jesus says. Jesus says, eat of my flesh. Actually, the translation says, feed on me. What? You know what I'm saying? I mean, I've been, to, I've been in Africa on a safari and I've seen lions feeding on a hippo. That is not the picture I want of me and Jesus. You know, and I know this is like, oh, you're sacrilegious. No. I mean, think of, first, think of them first time they've ever heard this. Jesus says to eat of my flesh. Then he says, drink of my blood. What are they, in Transylvania? Right? I mean, this is crazy, abnormal talk. Because as a result of this, many followers, they leave Jesus. And they actually say, this is weird. Have you ever been in one of those church services just weird? Yeah, they were like, this is weird. I'm out. The disciples, they stay. In fact, Jesus says, Jesus actually turns to his disciples, the 12, and he says, are you guys going to depart too? And Peter says, I mean, I don't know, and I don't really know what you said here, but where else are we going to go? You have the words of eternal life. Remember this encounter. Next one is in John 13. So we're going to skip a few chapters. And he goes to 13, and this is the, here, it's the washing the disciples' feet. Now, again, Jesus has some weird ways of, of teaching. 
different ways of communicating. And in John chapter 13, here we find it's, I, I'm going to say it's the Passover meal, the Last Supper. It doesn't actually say that in the text. Other uh, gospels record what happens here, and, and a lot of the same things happen. You know, he, t- he tells Peter, you're going to deny me. He tells Judas, go and, and do what you need to do in this same chapter of John 13. So I'm going to say it's the Last Supper, and he's, he's uh, preparing to be arrested. But before all of that, Jesus gets up from the table as they're getting ready to have the Passover meal, and he puts a towel over his waist, and he begins to take the lowest position in the Jewish community, the lowest position of a servant, and he washes all of the disciples' feet. And, and you know, some of them are like, hey, no, 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 you're not going to wash me. I'll wash your feet, but you're not going to wash my feet. And Jesus says, no, 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 I'm going to wash your feet. And then he says, hey, guys, listen. He, he brings them over after he washes everybody's feet, dries them off, and he says, hey, listen, I'm your master. You're the student. Student isn't greater than the master. But what I'm doing is showing you the way I want you to treat each other. And I want you to wash each other's feet. This is the way in which you're going to be blessed. Let me give you the bullet points of this. First one is Jesus takes on the lowest role of a servant, okay? Takes on that lowest role. Then he instructs his disciples to do the same. No rock stars. No, no Instagram Facebook, Snapchat rock stars in the kingdom, he says, hey, no, no, I want you to do the same thing that I just did because servanthood is the path to blessing. This is a powerful encounter that Jesus had with his disciples. Next encounter, I'm going to stay right here because there's so many It's encouraging words, okay? So he gives them a bunch of encouraging words. So here's what's happening. In John chapter 13, we just just talked about washing the feet. Later in the chapter, though, Jesus says to his disciples, hey, I'm only going to be with you a a few more days, just a little while longer is what he says. And I'm going to die. I'm going to give my life. One of you is going to betray me. One of you is going to deny me. And there's more to the story than that, but that's in the end of 13. I'm only going to be with you a little bit longer. And it's going, to be, it's going to be kind of a tough thing. Chapter 14, he begins with some of what I'm calling encouraging words. And from 14 to 16, a ton of just, hey, let me encourage you. Because he just gave him the news that I'm going to die. I'm going to give my life. And they're still trying. Now, we look back and we go, yeah, we understand what he meant. Again, remember, place yourself as a disciple in the first century. First time you've ever heard these things. Jesus is telling you, I'm going to give my life. This is my body. This is my blood. I'm going to give it. And they're troubled. John chapter 14, he says, don't be troubled. Don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many mansions. If that were not so, I would have told you. But I go to prepare a place for you so that where I am, you may be also. Okay, that's that. We read that a lot at funerals. Let me give you the bullet points for each one of these encouraging words. There's the passages, John 
14 through chapter 15. Don't be discouraged with God's plan. Okay, don't let your hearts be troubled. They just heard, I'm going to give my life. I'm only going to be with you a few more days. And they're like, oh my goodness, what in the world? And he says, don't, hey, don't be discouraged with God's plan. He goes on to say, next one is, ask me for anything. Ask anything in my name and I will give it. Now that's been used out of context many, many times. But he encouraged them to say, hey, listen, don't be discouraged. Don't freak out. You've seen me do things. You're going to do greater things. Ask anything in my name and I will do it. Then he goes on to say, and I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit, an advocate. You will not be alone. When I go away, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And he is going to help you remember everything I said. So you wonder, hey, how did Matthew, Mark, well, Mark and Luke weren't disciples, but Matthew and John, how did they remember what Jesus was saying? Holy Spirit said, this is what he said. They brought to their remembrance. He says, I'm leaving you with peace. All of this is in, just in those, in those verses, most of them in John chapter 14. Bunch of encouraging words. I'm leaving you with peace. Don't fear Don't worry, it's going to be okay. In fact, chapter 15, he says, now you remain in me and your life's fruit will be incredible. You remain in me, I in you. You look what happens to your life. You look what happens to your family. You look what happens when you follow me and you remain. My words in you, I in you, you in me, you will bear much fruit. Your life will be incredible. Okay? Remember that encounter. The next one is a warning. Not so good. In fact, in this one, this is John chapter 16, he actually says this. Hey, listen, I'm telling you these things because I don't want you to abandon your faith when they start to happen. You will be killed. <laughs> and, you know, stop right there for a second. The disciples are like, what? We're going to be killed? Yeah, he actually says this. Chapter 16. He says, hey, I'm saying all these things so that when they happen, you won't abandon your faith, but you're going to be killed. They're going to they're take you in, and they're going to think they're doing a holy service to God, but they're going to take your life. That's a big warning. Right? Let me bullet point it for you. You will pay... A price for following me. And it's just never easy, guys. Jesus never said it would be easy. In fact, he warns them and he says to them specifically, You will die for your faith. But I'm telling you this so that you won't abandon your faith. Don't don't worry when you get tried, when they take you into the courts and they take your life. Don't worry. Don't abandon your faith. Last one, okay? How many ready? You all right? Resurrection. This is a good one. John 20, 19 through 21. Let me give you the bullet points. They're, in, they're locked behind locked doors. Jesus appears to his disciples and he calms their fears. Listen, they're behind locked doors because they're afraid of the religious leaders. They've been following Jesus. It's kind of no secret. So they're behind locked doors, fearful. The scripture says fearful 
of the religious leaders. And then all of a sudden, not walk through the door, knock on the door and say, hey guys, you okay? It's Jesus, it's me. Huh? You died. It's Jesus. He appears to them right then. He says, peace be with you. Next one. Jesus reminds them of what he has called them to do. He says, as God, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. Okay. Zooming out. Those are all the specific encounters. There are many other things that they're there. You know, Samaritan woman, the woman at the well, um, the miracle of the water into wine. They're all there, but that's not specifically. This is, these are encounters specifically with his disciples. All in the book of John. What was Jesus saying in each of these encounters? What was he trying to teach them? And what is he trying to teach us? Because he's trying to teach us the same things. Let's, let's, go, let's look at the list again. You got the feeding of the 5,000, walking on water, bread of life discussion, washing the disciples' feet, encouraging words, warning, resurrection. I believe, with, now there are many ways to say it, but I believe there is something in each one of these that Jesus was trying to say to them, trying to teach them, trying to prepare them. And in so doing, he's trying to teach and prepare us. Here they are, feeding the 5,000. No challenge you face is impossible for me. It was an impossible situation, big problem, no answer. Nothing that you or I face is impossible with Jesus. Nothing. Whatever it is that you're facing right now, and I understand, listen, this isn't the context of us being a disciple, okay? This is a context of not you following your dreams, but you following Jesus. Not us doing our own thing, but us following and serving and surrendering to Jesus, the Lordship of Jesus. So in that context, no challenge that we face is impossible with him. Nothing. Walking on water, what's the big idea? There is no challenge you will face alone. How many know that sometimes Jesus doesn't feed the 5,000? No, I say that in, in a sense that sometimes he doesn't answer the prayer the way you want him to. Sometimes the miracle doesn't come the way you want him to. In those circumstances, when the storms of life come and you're terrified and you're worried and you're thinking, what am I going to do? What is going to happen? Just know that you're never alone. You're never alone in your problem. You're never, even if you caused it, by the way, even if you're the bad decision maker, unwise, you don't listen to anybody, you're just that rebellious spirit, and you're just like, man, I'm going to do what I want, I don't care what anybody says, and then you're all crazy because of your decisions, right? How many know God's so merciful? Amen. All you got to do is just call out and say, Lord, I've made a mess. You're never alone in your challenge. Next one. Bread of life discussion, following me will never be easy. If you ever thought, if anybody told you that following Jesus was easy, hey, just come on and get eternal life. It's all good. No. Eat of my flesh, drink of my blood. Many left, only a few stayed. It is not easy 
to follow Jesus. It's just not. Washing the disciples' feet, big idea. The path to blessing is humility. What Jesus did was model for them the leadership principles that he wanted them to follow, not the way of the world. In this world, leaders rise above and they kind of lord over the people under them. Not so with you. In fact, I want you to wash each other's feet. No rock stars in in the kingdom. I'm nobody, you're nobody. We're all just somebody's trying to follow Jesus or nobody's trying to follow Jesus and let's wash each other's feet. Humility. And, and, and he actually says that this is the way in which you're blessed. This is the path to blessing. Encouraging words. Hey, when life gets tough, remember my promises. When you are facing the challenge that is impossible, the storms that are raging, Hey, go back to the encouraging words. Go, and go back to the promises that I've given you. The warning, don't walk away when it gets tough. And this is what happens to many of us. When, when we go through challenging times and we can't understand what's going on, many of us check out and we start backing up from Jesus We start backing up from church. We start backing up from the spiritual because we just don't understand. We don't know why he's, why did you allow this? Why is this happening to me? I don't understand it. I've tried to be good. You don't understand the gospel. You don't understand what Jesus was trying to teach us. Through all of these encounters, Jesus was trying to say, hey, listen, it's gonna be tough. It's not easy. But don't walk away when it gets tough. Those are the times to press in. Those are the times to draw near. And then finally, in the resurrection, I give you peace and I give you purpose. Peace be with you. I'm sending you. In the resurrection, guys, no matter what it is that you're facing, no matter what it is that we face in the future, we have peace. We have peace knowing that we have eternal life because he rose from the dead and we have purpose. Now, I've got, I've got a question, and then we're gonna end. But I got one question. I want you to think about all these encounters, what Jesus was trying to say, and I know there's many ways I could say it, but just, just go with me that these are the best ones. I have one question for all of us. That's this. Are you a disciple or an acquaintance of Jesus? If I could just be so bold, and I say this as a pastor who I hope you know I love you, but I have a feeling in our church, I can't speak for any other church, but I have a feeling in our church, there's a lot of acquaintances of Jesus. You like the good stuff of Jesus. You like the culture of Jesus. you're not really following him. You're not a disciple. And again, I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. I'm not trying to, you know, make you, you know, feel bad about but who you are. I'm just trying to challenge you today that you, I think we need to make a decision today. Are we going to be a disciple? Or are we going to be on the outskirts watching everything? Kind of those, those people when the, when the bread of life discussion and they just kind of checked out when the going got tough, when Jesus's words were hard to take, when it was really, really I don't understand this. I, I, man, I don't know. 
the culture says this, but the word of God says this. I think I'm just going to stay on the outskirts. Well, you stay on the outskirts, and listen, everybody look at me. You stay on the outskirts, and you miss everything that Jesus has for you. I'm not even saying you're not going to heaven. I'm just saying you're missing out on everything that God wants to do in you and through you. Are you an acquaintance or a disciple? Let me say it like this. Are you covered with the dust of your rabbi? I hope you make the decision today. You can keep playing church. You can keep coming, enjoying, just watching everything. Or you can choose today to be a disciple. Because with discipleship comes all that we just talked about. When you stand on the outskirts, guys, I'm just telling you, at best, at best, you miss everything that Jesus has for you. He spent three and a half years with them, and it was for a reason. It was intentional. Hope Fellowship, whatever campus you're on or wherever you're at online, are you going to be a disciple? Or are you going to play around on the outskirts? I hope today that you choose to be covered in the dust of your rabbi. Lord, following you and, and even teaching your word sometimes is really cool and it's really flavorful and, and encouraging and sometimes it's challenging. Never condemning but sometimes it's challenging. And I have a feeling that there are many of us today very challenged and we have a decision to make. I pray that we would choose to be covered in your dust. May your kingdom come. May your will be done in my life, in our lives, as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to Hope's weekend message. Visit hopefellowship.net and further connect with us by downloading the Hope app from the App Store or Google Play. Have a great day.